Hello, Podicumans, and welcome to another episode of the Podicesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. I'm Brett Maddox, and once again, we're joined by your very best friends, Alan Kaysen, Jim Morrow. How are you guys doing? What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? <laughs> oh, sweet goodness. Everybody just, they just shut off the podcast app and deleted the... <laughs> Obviously, obviously we're doing just fine, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So uh, we are so glad to be with you. As always, hit us up on social media at Podicuses is where you can find us. You can comment about our last episodes, um, and uh, we would love to hear from you. We are uh, last episode. um, I started things out with a little rendition from uh, the group Europe with the final countdown. We are in the throes of it now. Um, we are entering into some time talking about the Lord's Prayer, which ends the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And uh, we will, in the next few episodes, be going over uh, plans with you all about what we're going to be doing next after the catechism is over. Uh, but it's going to be fun, and we are excited about that. But uh, we've still got a few episodes uh, through the catechisms, catechism to go, so um, we're excited about that. And we're going to get started, and we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. And so we're going to start, and we're actually going to do two questions out of the catechism today. And uh, we're going to start with uh, question 99. Uh, What rule has God given for our direction in prayer? Mm. The whole Word of God is of use to direct us in prayer, but the special rule of direction is that form of prayer that Christ taught his disciples, commonly called the Lord's Prayer. And then the uh, once we get into the Lord's Prayer, the Catechism opens it up with um, a preface. And so uh, um, it says that the Lord's Prayer opens with a preface. So what does the preface of the Lord's Prayer teach us? Hmm. The preface of the Lord's Prayer, which is our Father in heaven, teaches us to draw near to God with all holy reverence and confidence as children to a father, able and ready to help us, and that we should pray with and for others. Awesome, awesome. So um, the Lord's Prayer becomes this uh, important teaching tool, if you will, this important rule. I like how it puts it, this uh, this rule, this uh, this to help give us direction in, in prayer. And historically, that's what the Lord's Prayer has been. It's been part of a um, catechetical model throughout um, throughout the uh, uh, the throughout time, throughout the history of the church, and teaching us how the prayer. I know that um, Martin Luther uh, famously would uh, re- every day recite the Ten Commandments and the Lord's Prayer as part of his um, as part of his devotional uh, life, and um, and so this is a a good a good rule for us to follow in how and how to pray. So uh, mm-hmm. let's look at what Scripture says about the Lord's Prayer. All righty. So we get two versions of it, one in Matthew 6 and one in Luke 11. Um, Matthew 6, um, it's just, um, it's incorporated as part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount um, and his uh, other teaching on prayer, you know, go into your room, uh, close the door, uh, ask your father, you know, go in secret, uh, rather than like the hypocrites who just do it for show. And, um, um, and then he goes into the Lord's prayer, um, in Luke's gospel, um, the, the disciples asked Jesus how they should pray. 
Jesus mm-hmm. goes off and prays or, or, is, or is, is praying. He finishes the disciples say, well, how do we need to pray? And he gives them uh, um, uh, a version of the Lord's prayer. So I'm going to read Matthew six first. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Um, And then again, Luke 11, the disciples have asked Jesus how they should pray. And, um, And he says, he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. All right. Awesome. And so there's there, there it is. There's that's that's those are the Lord's Prayer. And you'll notice that for thine is the kingdom of the power and the glory is is not there. And that's because that was yeah. added by the ancient church as a way of directing our attention to uh kingdom pers- to kind of a kingdom perspective of things. In fact, um Tim Tennant in his book formation foundations of the christian faith on his uh, part um on the lord's prayer he speaks to that he speaks to the idea that that was added that line was added by the ancient church as more of a liturgical act of directing a the congregation or the 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 worshiping community to more kingdom minded um um a kingdom minded mentality and so it's it's helpful for for us in that more liturgical uh, sense um so in the Luke passage, he teaches to pray with this Lord's Prayer, and then he continues um, with this paragraph. And, and, and I want you to, to, to pay attention to the last verse, but for context purposes, um, we need to, to read the, the paragraph itself. And uh, Luke writes, um, and he said to them, uh, which of you has a friend who will go with him at midnight and say to him, a friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and, and I have nothing to set before him, and he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are in bed, uh, with me in bed. Um, I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give you anything because he um, he is his friend, yet because of, his, uh, because of his impudence. He will rise and give him whatever he needs, and I tell you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, you'll give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him. And so we have here this powerful reminder that we have this ability to go before God and he will listen to us. Like it is it's almost like this sense of of God's not too busy for us. Um that he 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 is there. He's kind, he's good, he's he's gentle and he will give us what we need, right? He will give us uh what we need. Might might not necessarily be what we want, but will give us what we need. Mm. That's right. Um, and I want to pick up on this um, father section even further in Romans 8, 15. It gives us a sense um, uh, of God's fatherhood and relationship to us. It says, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, 
but you received a spirit of adoption when we cry, Abba, Father. Now, of course, there's more context there, but that's what's here in the um, in the catechism. And so what do we see here? There's a relationship aspect, uh, an intimate relationship aspect with God in which we base our prayer, our speaking, our listening, and our abiding. It's not, um, a, we don't make a sacrifice to appease an unknown, uh, distant God who, you know, in this way, but because we are adopted into the family of God through faith in Christ, we speak to him as father. And even if we are not adopted in the family of God uh, through Christ, what we have is, is a God who yearns to be our father and uh, who did create us, of course. So there's the Lord's Prayer, Jesus teaches us, look, we're grounding this prayer in this intimate familial relationship. And it says, you know, we cry Abba, Father. Abba is the Aramaic term for father. And we can often think of that as maybe a more familiar term, mm -hmm. which is instead of uh, father dearest, may I please have, it's like, <laughs> It's like, dad, hey, dad, yeah. um, you know, though I'm not fond of like <laughs> opening my prayers with like, hey, daddy, <laughs> <laughs> but you can do that. That's just a me thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, let me I want to I want to speak to that a little bit, too, because, um, you know, I didn't I don't I didn't have the greatest uh, father figures in my life. I mean, my biological dad. My parents were divorced and I have a good relationship with him, but he just, you know, he was distant, like he was gone. And I would only see him periodically throughout the year. And my stepfather was very abusive. And so I did not have that. I, I remember when I gave my life to Jesus, one of the things that really opened up was that fatherly idea from God, like that idea of God as father. I know some people because of abusive relationships with their fathers and, and, and whatnot, that the idea of calling God father is painful. But for me, it was healing. Yes. Um, it was very, very mm. healing to do that because I haven't had that constant father figure in my life. Um, being able to call him father in my prayers um, was a very healing thing that I hold to even even today. Mm. Um, so, you know, so we start off, first of all, just very generally about how the word of God directs us in prayer. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how that happens. Uh, before we even get specifically to the Lord's Prayer itself, how does the Word of God itself direct us in prayer? And and for me, I think one of the most just perfect ways it does this, I, I, for lack of a better term, is through the Psalms. Mm. Um uh, that the Psalms, um, you know, I've heard it said that uh, the Psalms are in the heart of the Bible because they are the heart of the Bible. You know, like that is the uh, it's right there in the middle because it's the heart. It's the heartbeat of God uh, for for us. And it's the prayer book of the of the church It's the it's the worship hymnal, the early worship hymnal of the saints. And so um, uh, let's talk about the Psalms a little bit and how the Psalms themselves help uh, with directing us in prayer. Um, you know, what is it that the Bible teaches us about prayer and um, and how does it direct us in prayer? Specifically in the Psalms? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I, think, um, I think it goes back to our last episode, which was, um, I mean, the Psalms are full of all kinds of prayers, mm -hmm. um, joyous prayers, um, laments, petitions, thanksgivings, um, that runs the gamut on emotions. 
um, and types of prayers. And I think it, so it teaches us that, that, that we can, that we can do the same in our mm. own prayers. Right. Um, um, then I think they, it can give us the words to say, um, I mean, yeah. sometimes I don't know about you guys, there's sometimes I don't have the words. Like yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't have, um, I don't have the words and, mm. um, and so the Psalms give you that, but I think, I mean, I think taking that to a broader sense, I mean, all of scripture, I think there's, um, um, this, the Psalms are a great example and, and great material to draw from it, so to speak. But, um, all of scripture, I think can be, um, breathed back as prayers. Yes. Um, and so, uh, because there's just, there's just moments when you just don't have the words. So, yes. You know, I think about the Psalms and, and, and prayers of the church and, written prayers help too, but the Psalms help me. They remind me like I could get stuck in a mode of praying. Like maybe it's an emotional space where I'm just like, uh, I'm anxious. I'm like constantly like, God help me out here. And the Psalms remind me, um, of, they inspire me to pray more fully as well. So, but they also help me to know, like I can bring the whole scope of my self to God. Mm. I'm thinking about Alan, you mentioned you can, you can pray back and breathe back all prayers to God. I think that's powerful. Like, um, you can remember God, I am yours and you love me deeply as you pray back through, uh, baptism or any other scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, you can, when you're feeling rough about yourself, you can pray back, God, I thank you. I am fearfully and wonderfully made and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. One of the things about the Psalms particularly, but also other prayers um, in, in Scripture is um, how, you know, okay, so in the, in the Psalms, there are a few Psalms that are, when you read them, you're like, oh my gosh, what is this? Like a, a bashing their heads against rocks, right? Like this, mm -hmm. that's, that's in there, and you're like, man, how can I pray that? But the truth of the matter is, is we all have that feeling about people right? We all have that feeling about certain people that we don't like or groups of people that we don't like or that trouble us or that we want revenge or that we want, um, you know, our type of justice. And so there's something very real when you see that in, codified in God's word um, in, in the sense of a prayer, not in a prayer that is really lifting it up as much as it really reveals the heart of this person who was praying uh, this, that, that prayer, um, I can bring even my most, the darkest thoughts and that those, those painful places in my heart before the Lord. And there's healing that comes to that. In fact, you uh, should. Yeah. Cause, because we can't handle our dark stuff by ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, you think about that and like, that's a, that's a prayer and, and, you know, you can read that whole psalm. Uh, we'll put the reference in later. I don't have it in front of me. Yeah. But these imprecatory psalms that that speak like that. And you might you might think, gosh, I shouldn't even feel or think that way. And, of course, the reality is, like, even the psalmist comes around, and, and, and they don't end up saying, like, that's what I'm going to go do. That's right. Right. But what it says is that feeling that we think is wrong is a place where we need healing. And if you sit there and say, oh, I can't think that way, what you're doing is you're just pushing the pain down further and yeah. further. And it's like a beach ball in the pool. Yeah. You can push it down all you want. It's just going to pop up somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. And um, what can you do about it? Well, it needs to come out. Yeah. 
and God can bring healing. Yeah. And so the, the Bible teaches like carry the darkest stuff to the Lord so it doesn't poison you and you can take it to the place where you can find relief. That's, yeah, that's good. Um, I know that um, there, there was a, uh, one of the most powerful things I ever heard when I was young in ministry. Um, Jim and I share a uh, particular uh, pastor we both worked for at different times in our, in our lives, uh, a guy named Randy Mosley. Um, and I remember um, uh, Randy was doing a funeral and this is when he was in Adel, and he was doing a funeral, and we were at the graveside, and I was helping me, helping him out, and he was reading Psalm 23, which is, you know, the famous Psalm, the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, and he gets to the part in there where he said, where the psalmist writes, um, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And he, he pauses there and he and he just kind of stops and he looks at the family and he says, you know, the thing about shadows, they can scare us, they can frighten us, they can keep us idle, they can they can really get they really can get to us. But ultimately, shadows can't harm us. Mm. And death is but a shadow in light of the resurrection. And I just remember that, and that has stuck with me for 20 plus years that death is but a shadow and the shadow and a shadow in the light of the resurrection it can scare us but it can't harm us and that's the power of the psalms right like that speaks to that to those truths to those to those things so um powerful powerful thing uh going on there so that's the word of God in general. Now we're going to come to the Lord's Prayer right. itself. And so what is going on in the Lord's Prayer? How does the Lord's Prayer direct our form of praying? How does it teach us to pray? Because that's what Jesus, the disciples say, you know, teach us to pray. And Jesus says, well, when you pray, pray like this. Mm-hmm. So what is Jesus actually teaching? Um, what is he teaching in this? Is he wanting us to just repeat these words, which is fine and good, and we do in worship? Or is there something else that he is teaching us with this? I've wondered this. Like, what is the what is what is being taught in this? Um, you got two things going on. So, for one, um, do we just pray this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, this is one of those places where I want to push back on people who say I don't want to pray, and it becomes rote and routine. And I would say, let it become so rote and routine that when you have nothing else to say, these are the words that come out of your mouth. I agree. And I will remind everybody of the times we tell the stories of visiting um, dementia patients where they know nothing else. But when you start praying the Lord's Prayer, it is so deeply driven into their spirit that when you pray, they pray with you. Mm -hmm. And when all else fails, it is still prayer, even when you don't feel it. Hmm. Even when it like the act of doing it, even yeah. if it is routine. Now, what does it teach us? Uh, I'll do a brief word and then pass it on. Rem- remember that in, uh, I believe it's the Luke passage, the Lord's prayer comes in the context of the question, Lord, teach us to pray. Mm-hmm. Right. And so not only is it the prayer, but then you have like a full scope, a fuller scope. So you pray in love and union with God, your father, 
Um, you express your dependence on him. You ask for things. You pray for deliverance from sin. You confess your sin. You give glory to God. You ask for his will to be done. And that gives you kind of a fuller sense. Pete Gregg in his book, How to Pray, which again, we'll be referencing from time to time, picks up on this and reminds us that, that the Lord's Prayer teaches us a simple model. And I like how he puts it. It's pray, P-R-A-Y. Um, and you know, it's pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. And so you get this fuller format. So you might find that you just get stuck in asking. Well, then you need to sit with your pause and sit with your father in heaven. Um, you just get caught in sitting with God, but you don't ever respond to prayer. It reminds you that the why in pray is healed and you need to uh, lean, lean into your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's my little reflection on that. Yeah, absolutely. I also just like the form of it as well. Just you see kind of two, if you want to say one or two petitions there at the beginning that are um, ultimately about God himself, you know, uh, hallowed be thy name, um, your kingdom come, your will be done. Um, and then the rest of it is about kind of our relationship into this. It's almost kind of a model. I want to be use that word model very, very loosely here. So just understand that. But it's like the Ten Commandments is that way. You know, you've got a certain set of commandments that are based on um, how we view God, and then a certain set of commandments in our relationship with each other um, and, our, and our moral and ethical uh, um, needs and 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 and. and what we're supposed to do there. So um, there is, there does seem to be that model of a relationship, you know, how we view God and then how we view each other, including ourselves. So um, there is definitely, um, um, definitely um, a form that is, that is there that's important for us um, to be looking at. Um, y'all, y'all do at your church, uh, Lord's Prayer after in a pastoral prayer place, don't you? Yes, uh, we do. Okay. Yeah, sometimes we'll move it from the pastoral prayer into communion, but yeah, we do it. So it's there. So um, do, how, do you find that people – what's your, been your response to that? Like, do you, is it just become such a, a rote thing within – and rote not necessarily being negative or anything? Um, do you – is it – do you, people really latch on to that? Um, do, do you, have you had any positive or negative experiences with that um, in worship? I know that's a weird question to ask. I know okay, I, the reason I ask it is like, so here at St. Luke, we do it in our traditional service, but we don't do it in our, in our contemporary service, um, except when maybe we're doing a teaching on prayer or during communion or, or something like that. And it is a different, a different thing. And I find that um, um, in our traditional service, I do like the corporateness of of us of us praying, and I know that whenever I lead the lead the congregation in the Lord's Prayer, one of the, the way I open it up to them is I usually say something to the effect of, um, "And Lord, um, even when we do not know what to pray, continue to teach us to pray as you taught your disciples, our Father in heaven, mm -hmm. and so on." So, what's been your kind of leadership experience in leading corporate prayer using the the Lord's Prayer? I guess is my question. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um... If I had a positive or a negative, I know that, um, um, you know, I usually, we have a time of silent prayer and then I go into a pastoral prayer and always end, you know, we ask these things in the name of Jesus, um, who taught us to pray saying, 
and then every it's a cue to to start. I, I've heard folks talk about how other pastors will just start saying it without any sort of cue, and so the, the congregation is like, "Oh, okay, okay." Um, <laughs> we we include the words on our screen, um, hmm. you know, even though people may have their eyes closed or whatnot, but there may be people who this is their first they've never prayed this prayer before. And so, mm-hmm. um, we have it there so people can pray. Um, so, um, and of course, you know, we've done, I've done, I did a whole series on it. I've done several series on it. Um, mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've, I've, I often lead it regardless of the quote style of worship for a couple of reasons. Um, one, uh, I'm always mindful that worship is the work of the people. That's what liturgy means. Mm-hmm. And I'm always mindful of, does this become performative mm-hmm. or participative, participatory? Mm-hmm. And so um, it's always uh, as many ways as we, as, as we can help the people do the work of worship. I want to do it. And so when we're praying, um, I want to be very clear. It's the pastoral prayer is us praying on behalf of the community, and now you are joining in, and we are praying together. Mm. The other, the other thing that's great about it in worship is even if people are like checked out, once everybody starts talking, they'll check back in. And there's one, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, junk. Here's, I better get on it. Um, the other is like they will learn this, yeah, over time, yeah, and it will be good for them, yeah. Uh, the other is, so we're praying, and maybe I'm using very thoughtful words that I've prepared in advance. <laughs> okay, uh, prepared in advance. Um, <laughs> and there are people there who are newer to the faith, like Alan's talking about. Well, guess what? You're in this too. You jump right in. Yeah. Um, and you go from there. The other is, because uh, we're talking, it just to mention the difference between, quote, contemporary or modern and traditional. Um, for me, it's, I want to do whatever is uh is alive mm. uh, i want to reach back and i want to reach out and i want to reach forward in worship mm-hmm. so we have we have a blended style of worship we're coming up with a better name for what that is but the, it's kind of an ancient future situation where we're informed by uh yeah. our whole tradition we're seeking to connect outward to where people are and reach forward into what god is doing into the world now so we'll the lord's prayer and some other parts of ancient liturgy are definitely there. I, I do not want to discard something that is alive and formative in the name of being modern and relevant. That's a good word. That's a good word. Um, let me, let me tell you one other thing real quick. Yeah, go ahead. And I think, I think the best example, because the three of us experienced this at spirit and truth, and I've experienced it in other places. So Holy communion, what's the way to make that modern? Well, I'll just come oh, up yeah. with words that yeah. feel good. Right. Um, but my answer is no, do it do do the liturgy in a way that's like alive relevant and in the room right you can do that so you can do that by the way you invite people to it the space you create so at the spirit and truth conference uh when rob was leading us in um in communion that night did you notice that there was musical settings with modern music and that we slowed down and and he prayed the prayers with with mm-hmm. just good good liveliness and invited us and then we sang we sang choruses of modern music with modern insp- instrumentation instead of doing a spoken response. Mm-hmm. And it created a moment that was alive, even though that thing is ancient. Yes. Yes, very much so. So modern is what is alive today, not necessarily the absence of what is old. Yes. 
and that goes with the Lord's Prayer, in my opinion, as well. Now, these are my thoughts. There, no, <laughs> I think that's thoughts. good. And I will add to this. Um, you know, if you find yourself praying the Lord's Prayer and like the kind of old language in it, you have a hard time with it. One of the things I do to kind of just get my heart, my mind going. Sometimes the roteness, even though I agree with Jim, it's very important. Like make it part as a rote as breathing is. Um, but sometimes that roteness, I need some. I need to think about what I'm saying. So I'll change up the words without actually changing the words. So like, for example, um, our father who are, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'll just say our father in heaven, holy are you, which is what that line is. Holy is your name. And I might even just reflect on that and, and speak to parts that are, um, that, you know, how God is holy, how his name is holy, how it's separate, how it's different, how it's, this holy, holy thing. Um, uh, let's see, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I might just pause there and think about ways of God's kingdom and his will to be done, not only in my life, but in the life of my community, in the church, and maybe even around the world. So one of the things that is helpful, especially in my personal prayer life, if I spend time in the Lord's prayer, is I'll take it and I'll slow it way down, and I'll use each piece as a primer of prayer. Mm. And that is helpful for me. Uh, yeah. Sometimes that's very helpful for me if I don't know what to pray. <laughs> you know, like I'm sitting there yeah. going, going, Lord, I don't know. Well, you know what? When you say your uh, kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and you slow that down, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth right here, um, here at St. Luke Church, here in Columbus, Georgia, here in my in, room, in my room, in my brain, Lord, then it's just the floodgates open and you start seeing sin. You start seeing, I mean, just all kinds of stuff. You can really reflect on that. So there are times I don't do it all the time, but there are times when I just sit and I say, God, I don't know what to pray. And so I'll just start slowly praying the Lord's prayer and allowing each petition, each line to open up. And it works, man. It's awesome. Um, but you've got to slow it down. And maybe even change the language to be more how you talk. Um, you know, thy will be done. Instead of say thy your will be done. And then just call it and make it part. That's that's that for me is how I'm being taught to pray using the Lord's Prayer. Mm. So I think an important thing in uh to to call out we've been talking about our experience in worship um with the Lord's Prayer. And what the catechism talks about is that it's written in the plural, right? Mm -hmm, this is right. Um, our, our father, our father yeah. um, is, it is, it is a prayer that is meant to be prayed with the people. Um, um, not that certainly we can pray individually, but um, it is a, it is a prayer in community for community and in community. I think that's what the catechism uh, talks about. Um, um or again a reminder that the the church is important the body of christ is important our our faith in community is important and so yeah. um um i mean jesus could have just he could have not done it that way right i mean um but it's 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 done in the plural for for the, for the community and in the community and so that's yeah. a that's a that's a reminder for us and just that's remember awesome. hey like like look this isn't just all about you right yeah right. 
you know, you've got brothers and sisters, you know, that the, this part of the catechism kind of focusing on the, our father who art in heaven, um, is it is that reminder to draw close to God as, as a parent. Mm. Right. And so, I mean, you could, you could do that using the Lord's prayer, but you could also just remember, like when we're taught to pray, we're taught that God is, God is our father. God is our parent who loves us regardless you know, of how we know fatherly love in our life, um, we can, the spirit of God can draw forth and bring to our heart that relationship. And sometimes you just want to sit and be loved by God mm. and say, God, I need to be loved by you right now. And, and either I'm going to tell you why, and I'm going to write down why, or I'm just going to sit and say, God, my father, I sit, I, I lean against you and I just want to be loved by you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we approach things, God, as, as we would a, a daughter or a son mm. would to, a, to the most loving father. Maybe not, maybe not the way that we would our own fathers, depending on your experiences, but that's, that's how we come to God. And it's not just that we're trying to get the Lord's Prayer. And, and what, I, what I want to do is make sure. So, yes, we talked about how routine is powerful, and even if you don't feel it. But let's talk about the reality of the immediacy of how God, through the Holy, the Holy Spirit, is active when we pray. Like God is present through his spirit. His fatherhood is present to you and us right now through his spirit who makes it, makes, makes it come to life in us and rekindles it in us. And, and you might be saying, you know, God, God, I need help. Like I, I'm my, one of my children uh, is just coming to me lately. I'm so proud and happy as something he's trying to work through. And he's actually mm-hmm. coming and talking to me about it. Like I, I've never been more happy in my life. I hate, I hate that he needs help but I'm so grateful that he's coming to talk to me. Yeah. God, I need guidance like I would from the most perfect father. Yeah. You know, those kind of, I want to, I want to grab that. And the spirit of God makes that love and relationship in the now, in the present father. Yeah. If you, if you had an absent father, you know, I've got, I've got a strange fatherhood story. One father who came into my life, who was very present for me. One, one who was not part of my life you know? Mm -hmm. So thank God for, for my dad who came into my life and chose to be, but God is not the absent father, even though he feels far away or, you know, it's because he's in heaven and you're in your room or in your car. Mm -hmm. The spirit of God is God's spirit alive and active right now where you are. And that means that God, your father is not far away, an Mm -hmm. absent father figure. You're not a latchkey kid in the kingdom of God. Mm. So just, share that that's that's a thought um two thoughts on this one is and we'll get more into this um in the next episode uh but um you know there are kind of two ways of approaching that's all about the same and it's this it's it's not separate ways you're still approaching god there's the intimate way which is our father and then there's the transcendent way that he is holy right like so there is this we have a father god but we also have this holy sovereign god who is to be approached as such as well and we'll talk more about that later but as you were sharing that um i love the parable of the prodigal son yeah it's a beautiful parable and uh I've always been struck by, you know, what were the first words that the father in that parable spoke to the prodigal when he came back? Bring it. Nothing. (laughs) He doesn't say anything to him. The first words spoken were to a servant when he said, go and kill the fatted calf. We're going to celebrate. What he does is embrace the son. 
he embraces him and puts his cloak on him and puts a ring on him, and he embraces him. He doesn't say anything to him. He doesn't say to him, well, I knew you'd screw up. Mm. I knew you would squander your inheritance. He doesn't say any of that. No, he embraces him. And so we as his children, when we, when we come home and we are in, in, in brought back into the fold, when we're redeemed, that beautiful biblical word of being brought home, mm. brought back into the family, there is, not, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans reminds us. And so he's not condemning us. He's embracing us as our father. A beautiful picture. I, I, you know, it's, it's reading between the lines. It's taking it further than it needs to go. But uh, sometimes when I preach on that text, I, I kind of like paint a picture that every night the father would go out onto the porch after dinner, after a hard mm. day's work, sit there looking down the road over the horizon, you know, looking waiting for his son to come home, waiting for his son to come home. And then eventually he would see a figure breaking over the horizon with the heat waves on the road. We, we would see that image and we wouldn't be able to make out a form, but he saw the image. He knew exactly who it was and he ran mm. and he ran and he embraced and he redeemed. And that's a beautiful picture of exactly what Jim was sharing with us about this Father God who loves us more than we will ever know. But we mm. can experience that love very real in our lives now. Yeah. A couple other quick pieces on the, um, the relational aspect. So God, God is not a, a commodity. You're, <laughs> oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean— I know to, you're right. I mean, to absolutely. call God as Father means that there, God is as God is person— God relates to us personally, so God is not um, the ATM or or, or or thing you have to acquire. Mm -hmm. God is, if God is Father, then God is not like, um, say, the gods of the Greek pantheon or the ancient Near East, where you have to invoke and gain their favor right. um, to then be heard. Um, so there are things like that too. Um, the fatherhood of the love will strike us at certain times, but there are also times where we, where we remember that, Hey, you know, I, I can't, I, I come to God, not treating him like a thing or something that needs to be appeased before he will hear me before God will hear me. Um, but God is a, a, a being who is a personal being who is in relationship with me and us. And so that informs the way that we can and should approach him, approach God. Mm. That is, that is so good. Um, absolutely. Well, let me, let me say this as we get ready to, um, I think close for, for this episode, um, you get, the Lord's prayer matters, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, we're for it. <laughs> I ain't again. <laughs> 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 like at minimum you know we're running out of things to say when we're like oh uh, yeah we're for this thing <laughs> yeah uh, yeah <laughs> oh my gosh um so uh you know in all seriousness though um but the lord's prayer reminds us and what we're going to be digging deep into is that god does love us and um we're we're grateful to be able to share this with you guys but we want to also give you an invitation 
Um, if you, A, as we're talking about prayer, if you need prayer, we would love to pray for you. And one of the ways we can pray for you, you can share with us and be confidential just among us three here, um, is you can send us an email, questions at podakesis.com is where you can send that. And we, we would be happy uh, to be praying uh, for you and to intercede um, on, on your behalf. Um, uh, another piece to this, we just want to invite, if you've never experienced God's love in your life, um, if you want to know what more about what it means to be a follower of this this God, this Father God who loves you, who is calling you, who wants to who who's in, wants to redeem you to bring you back into the family, um, we'd love to uh, we'd love to correspond with you about that too. So, um, if, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, even if you haven't even really begun one, and you're just listening to this because a friend said, "Hey, listen to this podcast." Um, we'd love to talk to you uh, about that and uh, to um, introduce you to this this Father God who loves us and loves you more than you'll than you'll ever know, but you can experience right now. Um, we're grateful to be able to, to to be with y'all in this. In our next episode, we're going to be continuing this uh, teaching on the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to be getting into the first petition uh, that comes out of the Catechism, which is um, "Holy is Your name." Holy is the name. Um, of God. And we're going to be talking about the kind of transcendent nature of God and how to approach him there. As a reminder, the, uh, the Podakesis podcast is a proud member of the Spirit and Truth Podcasting Network. Spirit and Truth is a movement of Wesleyan-minded Christians seeking to awaken and equip the 21st century church through the power of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel and make disciples of Jesus Christ. We long to see a new movement of Christians who are empowered by the Spirit, rooted in truth, and mobilized for the mission. Uh, for more information and resources, visit spiritandtruth.life. As always, hit us up on social media at Podakesis is where you can find us. You can um, email us, questions at podakesis.com. You can leave a voicemail, 404-635-6679. As always, leave a five-star rating and review on Apple iTunes. That really does help us there, and we're grateful for that. You know, I was thinking, you know, Jim has told his story. I've told my story. We've got to have a season or a session, I should say, um, with um, questioning the PK of the group here about kind of what stories he has to share with us. Bring it. <laughs> Man, so we keep we, promising we've we got do. to deliver. Yeah, we've got to. Yeah. We have to. So hey, we, um, we ain't Congress. We keep our promises. Yes. Boom. That uh, was so dumb. <laughs> That was so dumb. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> anyway, that's so that's so great. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, leave that five star rating and review. And until next time, potty humans, we will talk to you later. Yeah.